Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. From 54. Try and put this game away. Daniel Carlson, the leg. Yeah, wow is right, John. That, that ballsy John Gruden kicking that 54-yard field goal, that could have blew up in his face, but Daniel Carlson knocks it right through, and the Raiders pull off a, a surprising 10-point win over the Saints, 34-24. What do you think about that one? Yeah, it was kind of stunning at the time. The Saints, on paper, looked like the better team, and they just didn't uh, come through. You know, their best players did not make plays. Uh, Drew Brees was off all night. Uh, Cameron Jordan was getting clamped up by Jason Witten for for. for far too frequently it was just it was just ugly i mean eight or nine different saints defenders were all beaten by darren waller or the raiders tight end and their only real threat is the pass catcher and you know that that's not even to detract from everyone else i mean the raiders found a, a mismatch and the saints were unable to adjust to it so it, it was very disappointing but I, I don't know that we can really say it was surprising having seen how it played out and i think one of the leadoff takes and well i'm sure we'll talk about the penalties because that's a big talking point obviously but i think there's just there's no masking the absence of mike thomas right it just there's just no masking that you just mentioned it camara is the top receiver with nine receptions traquan had a decent game hauled in five of i think nine total catches for the wide receivers the rest went to backs and tight ends and that's that's tough you you really felt the michael thomas injury i thought on on monday night for sure certainly and you know, to their credit, the Saints pass catchers did their best to fill in for Michael Thomas. Uh, Traquan Smith especially had, had a great game. Let's just pretend all that hype that I put together for uh, Emmanuel Sanders a week ago. Was <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's where I was going next, John. Um, let, let, let's, yeah, let's, let, let, let's retcon that a little bit. But, you know, they just weren't able to seal the deals, uh, especially on, on defense, which was what really disappointed me because, you know, Derek Carr is not the most creative quarterback in the NFL. He's not the toughest one to defend, and the Saints didn't show a lot of respect from many of his weapons. You know, they didn't have Marshawn Lattimore shadowing any receivers across the field. They didn't dial up any really creative blitzes or anything like this. They had great uh, production early on with the pass rush. You know, they sacked Carr three times in the opening minute, but after that, uh, the Raiders adjusted, and the Saints didn't really have a, a counter for it. So we'll see how how they improve against Green Bay. They got they've got a lot to work on, and they started on it right away. For me, it's like why not put Lattimore on Darren Waller? Like put somebody on the guy. Like you know, for it was clear that Carr had one guy he was comfortable throwing to, and that was Waller. Targeted him sixteen times, twelve catches. It's like to see the Saints continually let him make yards was pretty frustrating. I thought. 
yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, they, they tried a lot of different things to slow Waller down. They tried signing Demario Davis to him. Uh, Davis had a great pass breakup on one throw. Uh, they tried Malcolm Jenkins a lot, and Jenkins was not really up for that matchup. But, you know, not many safeties are. I mean, Darren Waller, he's one of the more productive tight end, veteran tight ends around the NFL these days. He's had a lot of success, and he's going to beat most safeties. So it's just, it's just disappointing that the Saints weren't able to find some way to neutralize him. But the good news is there's only one of them, and the Packers don't have a Darren Waller. So no, hopefully I don't think they have a tight end, John. I don't, I don't think they employ a tight end right now, the Packers. I can't name one. No, I think Mercedes Lewis is still kicking around up there. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> is he really? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, is, he, he, he's kind of infamous for not wanting to throw to his, his tight ends very much. He didn't take advantage of uh, Jimmy Graham the couple of years they were together. Um, Jared Cook with the Saints now had, had a career year last year, hmm. and he was an afterthought in the offense when Rodgers was working with him. So I'm not, I'm not sure that they'll be as equipped to take advantage of that weakness in the Saints defense as the Raiders were. All eyes, for me, have to be on the matchup between Lattimore and uh, Devontae Adams. It was easy to write off the penalty yardage and the defensive pass interference calls against the Bucks. It's harder now after it happened again, right? 10 penalties, 129 yards, more DPIs. And as you wrote, John, the Saints are now two weeks in. They've managed to rack up the most penalty yards in the entire NFL Two and a half football fields worth, 248 yards. Uh, this is becoming a an issue, and it's not something I would expect from a, a team coached by Sean Payton, a team that's actually got a coach. You know, you expect this from some other teams, but I wouldn't expect that from the Saints. So, what's your level of concern right now with the the, the penalties? You know, I, it's, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. Again, we keep coming back to that word <laughs> this game. That's um, the it's word. Disappointing <laughs> for the Saints because they've. I mean, this, this team has played so many games together. They, they've got so many veteran players who have been together for so long that you kind of hold them to a higher standard, and they're failing to meet that. Um, you know, as much as we just talked up there in Waller, the Saints penalties were the best player for the Raiders uh, on Monday night. I mean, the Saints gave up more penalty yards than they allowed to Darren Waller or Josh Jacobs or Henry Ruggs or anyone else who wore silver and black. So they were hurting themselves over and over, especially with these defensive pass interference fouls. Um, another stat I looked up is that Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, and Marcus Williams, three, just three Saints defensive backs, have combined for more penalty yards allowed than 23 teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. And they, they have got <laughs> That's kind of staggering. Um, it is. Yeah, just stop me in my tracks, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they have got to clean it up. And if there is a silver lining here, it's that this is not new territory for New Orleans and for Sean Payton and his coaching staff. And they've had games where... They played sloppy. They played undisciplined. They helped out the other team with a lot of yards on, on these fence pass interference calls, especially. So this is something that they do know how to correct. They do know how to clean it up. Now they've certainly got the motivation to do it uh, by losing one primetime game a week before the next one. So we'll see if they can buckle down in practice uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday. And hopefully they're up to the challenge because Aaron Rodgers is a bit more of a threat than Derek Carr is in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get get to that game. That's going to be an interesting matchup here. One question on the other side of the ball I do want to get John's opinion on is Drew Brees. What's going on with Drew? Doesn't look quite right. We'll get into that coming up here on the Saints Wire podcast. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. 
Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 3. Chicago Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky against the Atlanta Falcons. The matchup is brilliant, and Atlanta's offense could put Chicago in a pass-happy situation. Trubisky may make mistakes like we saw last week with two interceptions, but he should be able to take advantage on the outside with his strong wide receivers. Deion Lewis takes over for Saquon Barkley at least for this week. Devontae Freeman looks like he'll be the guy going forward, but he's coming off the street and doesn't know the playbook. San Francisco is so beaten up on both sides of the ball right now that the Giants should be able to stay in the game late enough to continue running the football. If not, Lewis is a capable receiver out of the backfield as well. Jaguars wide receiver Keelan Cole has the eye of quarterback Gardner Minshew, and he has a fine matchup against the banged-up Miami secondary. And furthermore, DJ Chark is banged up himself, which could mean more work for Cole if the injury is aggravated during the contest. Look for him to make it three games in a row with a touchdown to open the 2020 season. And finally, Cincinnati tight end Drew Sample is a second-year player who will fill in for CJ Uzama, who was lost for the year after a torn Achilles tendon last week. Sample saw nine targets last week, catching seven of them, but for only 45 yards. That's a product of having a rookie quarterback who's not willing to take as many chances downfield. Last week, Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns, and Logan Thomas had one in week one on only nine total catches against the Eagles in 2020 by tight ends. For more fantasy football information, check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts on the interception and what you were seeing on that play. Was that intended to go to Deontay? Yeah, I had to throw it a lot earlier than I wanted to. Um, and bottom line is I shouldn't have thrown the ball. Um, that was a that was either a bad decision or make a, you know, much better throw. But at the end of the day, just just check it down. You know, um, I didn't have the time that, that I needed to, to really make a good read. So I should have just dumped a Talvin and, and moved on to the next play. So, John, even the great ones are going to screw it up, and obviously Drew screwed up that throw in the second quarter. I thought it was really a game changer. The Saints have the football, a chance to tack on some more points to answer that touchdown the Raiders scored, maybe get a field goal. Instead, Bree throws it right to the Raiders defender, Morrow, and the Raiders go down and tie the football game at 17-17, and all the momentum was on the Raiders' side. We saw that in the second half. You know, Drew Brees has not looked good in these first two weeks. What do you think's going on there? I know you've been breaking that down. You know, what's going on with Drew? Man, it's a bad day in the office. Um, and now he's had two bad days in the office. You know, hey, he we're not used to seeing that. Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't very sharp against Tampa Bay, and he kind of went out and laid an egg there against the Raiders. Uh, gosh, you know, it really feels like we're on the cliff here. Like, like you know, almost like we got Rufasa on the cliff in the Lion King. <laughs> I mean, Drew Brees is here, um, and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre are waiting for him at the bottom of the cliff. And it's kind of, kind of like, is this really how we're going to go? <laughs> is, is this? The last run here, you know, I will say this has not been the worst two-game stretch of Drew Brees' career. He, he's got plenty of time to turn it around, and there's things we can look back on that kind of add a lot of context here. The, the Saints are historically very slow starters. Um, they've got a fairly poor winning percentage in September in the Sean Payton era. Um, Brees normally struggles with veteran additions like Emmanuel Sanders, like Jared Cook last year. It takes them some time to get on the same page. And that happened several times on, Mon- on Monday night. Uh, we had a couple of times where Jared Cook was the uh, intended target, but he throttled down on his route. Uh, he 
may, may have miscommunicated with Brees a bit, may have not helped his quarterback out much. And that was a problem repeated by guys like Sanders, who had a couple of drops on the night. Uh, tight end Josh Hill is normally a sure thing on the couple of passes he gets. He had another play on a drag route. He cut his route off short at the sideline. And it looked a lot worse on Breeze uh, than it maybe should have. So I do think as the Saints put in more time, as they continue to gel a bit, I, I think we'll see them bounce back. We've got to remember, this is a very unusual year with everything that's happened with COVID-19, everything that's affected the NFL schedule over the offseason. Normally, these guys have been working together since May, or since April, with OTAs and minicamps and uh, preseason games. They don't have that. And I think the Saints are struggling because of it a little more than we, than we may have anticipated, certainly more than I expected them to, um, just because they this, this group has been together for so long and won so many games together. You, you would think they might have a head start here in the 2020 season, but that just has not been the case. You know, I think Sean Payton talked about this after the game. You know, putting pressure on his star guys, I mean, it's hard to have a lot of beef with uh, Kamara. He's looked really good, but, you know, Breeze has been struggling as we were just talking about. Cam Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins, like, looking for big plays to kind of swing momentum there, and they, the Saints just couldn't really swing momentum in their favor. So, as you said, you know, in a, in a weird season with COVID, you're going to lean on your top guys, your leaders, right? And it's just, it was tough to see the Saints not have their top guys, you know, maybe making a play and taking control of that game at some point, you know? Yeah, and I touched on that earlier with uh, that shot at Cameron Jordan. I mean, you expect your best players to make the best plays, and that's not that has not happened. Some of that is due to the best player on the team being sidelined with Michael Thomas's injury. Um, but, again, you expect guys like Cam Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore to really come through in a big moment and in a big spot in prime time. That hasn't happened. Uh, Hopefully they can get it together. I mean, the Saints sent seven or eight players to the Pro Bowl uh, last year, and right now those guys are facing a lot of tough questions, a lot of tough criticism, and I think that's justified. A chance to have a big bounce-back game here coming up. The Saints home against Green Bay. This is going to be one of the best games on the schedule. Anxious to get John's thoughts on that. We'll do that coming up. First, here's some sports betting advice from our guys over at the Sportsbook Wire. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet the Week 3 Monday Night Football matchup in the NFL's Game of the Year between the Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs are plus 155 underdogs on the money line. Jeff, that's right. The Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, plus 155 underdogs. The Baltimore Ravens are laying three and a half points at home. I'm going to go against the grain, against the public here. Give me the Ravens, minus three and a half, to win by at least four points. Oh, man. I want to push back and just take the Chiefs at the money line. You said plus 155. That's enticing. But if you're going to give me the three points, I'll take it. Has Patrick Mahomes ever gotten three and a half points? I'm pretty sure not, Eston. Uh, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. There's going to be no fans there at the M&T Bake Stadium in Baltimore, and they have one of the better home crowd advantages, which is going to be neutered because of the unfortunate situation right now. I'll take the dog uh, Super Bowl champion Chiefs at plus three and a half. I'm on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any 
type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, John, the Saints are favored by three and a half in this game at home against a Green Bay Packers team that is absolutely lighting up the world right now. They're leading the NFL in every category. It's been two weeks. I don't know if they played the best competition, right? They just played the Lions. What do you think? Should the Saints be three and a half point favorites in this one? I don't think so. Not they've all, all, all how both teams have played to start the year. I mean, if you look at you look at the over-under, you look at, at who's favored, it implies the final score somewhere around Saints 27, Packers 24. That's half of the scoring output the Packers have had the first two weeks. I mean, they've, they've, dropped, they've dropped 40 plus points on the Vikings and the Lions, and now we're expecting the Saints to come out and allow half of that when they just gave up 34 points to the, the Raiders. I don't know that I'm, I'm going to flatten off on that one. <laughs> so, in a normal year when we've got 70,000 through that screaming in the Superdome, I, yeah. I, could, I could see the Saints being uh, favored at home in this game. Now it's going to be much quieter. It's going to be a much more level playing field. And I think the Packers have the upper hand in most categories here. I mean, it, it, all the talk has been about Aaron Rodgers, and he has played really well. He's up there with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray as some of the NFC quarterbacks who are making the most noise this year, and rightfully so. But the player who worries me the most is Aaron Jones, the running back. The other Aaron in Green Bay, he leads the NFL in rushing right now, um, and he had a lot of success against the Saints the last time they met back in 2017. Uh, he ran for 130 yards on them. He had a 45-yard touchdown run on the opening drive. So he's someone who has had success against New Orleans before, and he could be a real threat, even more of a threat, really, than Josh Dickens was uh, on Monday night to their streak of games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. Uh, we're up to 45 games in a row now, including the postseason. And uh, Jones could really make a difference in this one if the Saints cannot contain him. That was interesting. You you brought up that point about the crowd noise, too, the lack of crowd noise. And I don't think any quarterback has looked more comfortable in an empty stadium than Rodgers. He's comfortable in these empty stadiums, especially on the road. Like, he tormented the Vikings in week one, drawing them offside, just messing with them in that in that first week. And, yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge with the way – I mean, it's got to concern you the way he's playing right now. Yeah, he's been very zen. Um, he, he's, he's looked very sure of himself. Zen, um, yep. I think he's really enjoyed. I think he, he's really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to not have to ignore the the raucous crowds and just go out there and go to work and maybe get the jump on some defenses with a hard count. So that's certainly something that the Saints have to be on the lookout for. That over under is right where you kind of pegged it at fifty one and a half. This kind of feels like it could be a high scoring game. Like I feel like the over is kind of in play here. I think it may be, um, especially if Michael Thomas makes his return, which last we heard uh, that there's an outside chance of that. They need him. Um, he didn't suffer a full on uh, high ankle sprain. It's a lesser grade injury from what, from what I've read, and so he was said to be out two to four weeks. And well, this is the second week, so we'll see if he can make if, the second week in that timeline. Excuse me. So we'll see if he can make it back, and if he can, that would add a lot of juice to the Saints' offense, and it would take a lot of pressure off of everyone else, um, especially Drew Brees, ha- having someone that he can kind of get away with throwing ugly passes to now and then that other players have struggled with. All right, looking forward to breaking this one down Sunday night. Saints home against the Packers, the Red Hot Packers, and the Saints trying to get back on track. So, John, I'll be looking forward to your coverage on the Saints Wire. Have a great week, and we'll talk about this one next week, man. Thanks, Ryan. Looking forward to it. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.